Hi everyone and welcome to the channel again. If you're new, uh, welcome. And if you're not new, welcome back. Uh, we've got an amazing show today. Uh, we're very, very privileged to have Jay McBain from Forest Research with us. We're, we're going to talk about uh, the channel trends uh, he predicted in 2020 and indeed has the world changed to the point where those channel pr predictions need to be uh, redesigned or even re-explained or re-explored with a new lens or a new vision. Um, Jay, you did predict 10 trends, uh, and I wanted to explore those with the new lens of the uh, pandemic. And what I mean by the pandemic is the economic pandemic rather than anything else, because that's what affects uh, our customers and our partners. Uh, but in particular, the critical nature of automation with respect to channel management. So we'll try and stick to that. Um, a lot of those predictions that you talked about uh, are, in, are, are in line uh, and, and, and actually panning out, in particular, the, um, the, the, the reduction of, of, of activity from the direct channel and the more, uh, uh, and a more focused indirect channel, automation for channel management, the role of channel people, in particular, the influencer channel and the way that influence now is directing the way end customers are adopting technology based on good consultative work and the like. So we'll go into a, a few of those, but the first question uh, I will have uh, after I introduce you all, so you can go into that, uh, is you know what has changed since those 2020 predictions? And um, Jay, I'll start with you, if you can give us a quick introduction to yourself and then perhaps talk about the, the predictions. Yeah, sure. Happy to be here. Thanks for uh, ha having me on. And if I could go back and revisit those uh, predictions, uh, I would have added number 11 and predict this whole pandemic and pandemonium and everything else, but wasn't that good in terms of the crystal ball. Uh, that, that being said, uh, for the last 18 months before COVID, we've had a lot of changes in our industry. I always say that there's probably been more change in the last 18 months than there has been in the 39 years before that. So I spent 26 years in this industry. I've been on the vendor side, uh, 17 years with IBM and Lenovo. I've been on the managed services side, building software that they run their businesses on. I uh, started my own company uh, along with some co-founders and was CEO of a channel software company for six or seven years. And now for three years, I wake up every morning looking at this industry counting the different things that are going on and trying to assess from not just our research, but all the research and trying to explain in plain English, not only where we are, but where we're going. Yeah. Fantastic. And uh, Scott, if you want to give yourself a quick introduction. Um, Scott Frew, Chief Executive Officer of ISET.com, over 35 years building mostly distribution companies from scratch and uh, offloading them to the globals um, during the last build, which was Distribution Central, built the ISA.com platform to uh, take a lot of the pain out of product life cycles for a distributor. Uh, it now runs some of the largest vendors, distributors, and resellers around the globe. Okay, so uh, Jay, I did mention several um, uh, several of those predictions in a, in, a, in, a, in a summarized format. If I was going to ask you, of the 10 predictions, which one are you uh, most uh, are you seeing as being most relevant right now given the economic pandemic what's the one or perhaps two of those predictions that you think everyone needs to be take pay, paying attention to 
Yeah, the most shocking, and by the way, most of these 10 predictions are being accelerated given COVID and the pandemic. So uh, the things that I said might happen in three to five years, we're starting to narrow down to next year or in the next 18 months. Uh, first and foremost, I think the clickbait was that the channel, the indirect number was going to decline as a percentage of the total. And for 39 years, the channel has got larger and bigger and more important in terms of the transactional part of our industry. We look at every technology transaction around the world across 200 different categories of products. We look at the $3.6 trillion that businesses and governments spend on technology. And today, 64% of that goes through the channel. So $2.26 trillion flows through today, which is about 16 different business models, managed service providers and bars and system integrators, and now accountants and digital agencies and brokers and aggregate. So there's a lot of different people within that Venn diagram that drive that number. But if you start to watch inside of those numbers, and if you rank all 200 categories, for example, based on growth, you see some things jump out at you. You know, before COVID, something like Azure in the infrastructure game was growing at 57% year on year on big numbers. AWS was growing at 54, Google was growing at 51. Well, we just saw their results last week during COVID. They're now growing at 47 and 44 and 41. These are COVID resilient businesses mm. that are driving when the rest of the world is down by 16 or 17%. These are super bright spots. The problem though, is only 20 to 30% of that revenue goes to, through, or with partners. There's a different go-to-market. There's a different routes to market. There's a different way that consumers or customers uh, consume that, um, that technology. So when you look category by category, for example, the fastest growing category, which is robotic process automation, the building of bots, the solving of automation and AI, the first step of that, you know, about 10% of that business goes through the channel today. Well, the fastest company last year, UiPath, grew 5,714%. So if we're looking at all these really, really fast, large growing companies during COVID, and there's such a small part of the channel involved, that's why the direct side is growing faster than channel today, because right. they haven't been representative of the places where there's growth. The places that are shrinking today, like PCs and infrastructure and, and, and servers and, and things like that, you know, the channel sells 80 or 90% of those categories. So that's where we're at. That was the first prediction. It's now accelerating given COVID. So we're going to put those predictions in the show notes, of course, so everyone's going to be able to look at them in detail. Um, and, uh, and I do urge everyone to look at those because they are uh, essential for being able to plan out your, your, your business, uh, at least for the next 18 months, I believe. Scott, I'm going to turn some of that uh, around and ask you a, a little bit of a different question in response to that. Uh, because um, it, it, absolutely, if you look at the Venn diagram and the 200 categories and the and the and, and the financial opportunity that exists there, it is massive and it is massive for the channel. But we're talking ecosystems. No technology lives in isolation. A vendor in isolation, and therefore the uh, the lack of importance of a direct model, um, talks to the ecosystem. 
from your practical point of view with the iasset.com platform and the kind of customers that you're signing up as well as this prospect list that's starting to grow what are you seeing in terms of a willingness of an ecosystem in reference to, uh, to to work together at an automation level really important at an automation level in the frame that an asset does not live in isolation a Technology asset cannot deliver an outcome in isolation. And the indirect channel is an ecosystem, all important, influencing the next wave of how end customers will consume technology. Well, look, Nick, in a true ecosystem sense, um, the smart movers are the ones that are starting to integrate between the parties. So the problem, to Jay's point, the problem with AWS, Google, uh, Azure is um, the resellers aren't or the channel aren't making a lot of money out of it because it's, you know, $100 here, $50 there. It's transactional. Um, they're used to bigger sort of uh, transactions with servers and PCs and storage and things like that. So... Our biggest leap that we've seen is, um, and they'll be announced soon, uh, two massive service providers that don't actually touch any of the transaction. They're just being employed by a manufacturer to make sure the transactions happen. So whether you call that an influencer or a service provider, and they're sitting then over the channel, and you need to integrate all those bits together so they become cohesive. You know, yesterday we were trying to solve a problem for a manufacturer that is lobbing more compliance onto a channel without giving them any extra margin and actually slowing down the whole transaction process, the only way to solve the efficiency of that is to connect the ecosystem together rather than treat them as you're just my distributor or you're just a reseller on the other side of a distributor. Um, so we see a lot of these interconnects are now starting to go, which we've been pitching for 11, 12 years. Um, is bringing it all together so it's cohesive, everyone's on the same data set, everyone's running smoothly, and the cost to do business for these smaller transactional models is removed as much as possible. So the transaction side of it is being more and more automated? Yes. And there is a willingness, there is a participation to be able to work on platforms such as isf.com. I believe and, and, and this is coming from some several conversations I've had in the last couple of months. And Jay, I'm going to bring you into this one because I want your opinion on it. Um, it's so early adopter. And because it's so early adopter, there is the potential for this channel, which I know and love and, and, and have a loyalty to, to be outplayed by new players who aren't as willing to wait and, and, and see opportunities in that ability to influence the transactional automation so that they then can tell a story on top of that as it relates to technology and a business process that's gonna give their customer a competitive advantage. What do you think of that? Yeah, so I mean, my second prediction to ride right into that was this idea of the transaction itself is changing. When you study the buyer, when you study how transactions come to be, uh, there's a lot of changes taking place. You know, first and foremost, there's a new psychology, there's a new behavior, there's new journey that buyers are on. And many vendors and distributors and others are doing a lot of journey mapping and understanding these moments that happen earlier in the journey that make up vendor selection and lead to a transaction. So what ends up happening is that you have this ecosystem approach. When you take your eye off of transactional channels for a moment, 
you'll figure out quickly that there is a channel that happens before the transaction. I call that an influencer channel. There are business models of channel partners that sit before the transaction. They could be affiliates. They could be advocates. They could be ambassadors. There's all kinds of different ways that people are making money and participating earlier in the journey. I mentioned that almost two thirds of all tech dollars go through the channel today. What's interesting is early in that cycle, it's changing the transaction itself, how people are influenced, who are doing the influencing. But now that the vendors understand these moments more, they're starting to figure out that they don't own these moments. They're not in these moments in many cases. It is somebody else's ebook. It's somebody else's podcast. It's somebody else's landing page. They're, the moments are collected around influence. And so before this battle for before the transaction, where a majority today of technology decisions are made outside of IT, a majority of those buyers then make vendor selection without ever going to marketing or sales or putting their name into a landing page or calling up a salesperson. They're doing it all digitally. And so how to get into a deal that you may not have known that there is a deal and you may lose a deal without knowing there was a deal becomes this fundamental part of the future of your channel. And now every company in every industry is converting into subscription. So in that subscription world, the actual transaction is really only the first 30 day lease of a customer. Yeah. Those retention partners out there that are driving adoption, driving integration, making it more sticky, driving upsell, driving cross-sell, there's an entire set of post-transaction partners, which I call the retention channel, that are in a subscription business, which is based on retention and renewals, absolutely critical. So this, I'm going to say the transaction is getting less sexy in the equation and companies are looking at this trifurcated model of the entire customer journey and the partner journey that sits on top of that. That, in definition, is an ecosystem. A super ecosystem or a super, a, a super marketplace, right? Um, Scott, in, in terms of that super influencer uh, system, what we're doing is talking about the, you know, what the, you know, the, the new or, the, or, or a more contemporary channel would look like. If you think about what Jay was saying, there's a whole bunch of elements that need to still come together for it to be meaningful at the end customer because ultimately um, the end customer wants a, a prime contractor yep. right, to be able to pull, pull a lot of this together. How is iAsset.com uh, uh, reaching out to all these super influencers in this super marketplace because in effect, what you're doing is creating the platform that allows for those super marketplaces to exist, particularly in an influencer channel, because everyone that's talking to us is talking about installed by selling and channel ret customer retention customer as it relates to installed by selling. Yeah, well, I feel look, I think Nick, to Jay's point though, I'm, I'm disappointed that Jay doesn't think transactional level is sexy. I mean, <laughs> Jay. <laughs> But you're right. That's exactly the point. You want to take out all of the process, underlying process, so that people can get on with the sexy parts of the business, whether it's influencing or actually uh, being the trusted advisor for that channel. But now we're starting to see uh, our customer base that has a platform in, uh, installed is to 
actually let other people log in, which it might be your influencers, your other service providers, so that you're bringing your ecosystem into your data set, but your data set's clean because everyone's operating on the same uh, premise. So once you start connecting these dots together, that's where Jay's predictions start to actually uh, run at a channel context. Yeah, I would say that you know, the transaction, it may not be sexy, uh, Jay, you might, you might agree or disagree, uh, but it is critical and if it's not automated, then it can't be efficient and it can't deliver what it's supposed to be doing. Uh, hence the, um, uh, the trifurcated model. And I have to say that 20 times before I get that right. I had a conversation with, 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 with Scott the other day and, you know, we're all mates and, Jay, you're our mate and uh, you'd say, and I said to him, I reckon he made that word up. <laughs> and Scott goes, no, nope, there it is in the dictionary and he explained it all. So rather than me trying to really do a bad job of explaining that, and you did touch on it uh, before with the, um, with a particularly... Um, as it relates to what, what, where, what our audience is interested in, which is the uh, influencer channel. Um, and I've said uh, in many instances since you and I spoke last that um, if you were going to position iasset.com, um, effectively what it does is run your influencer channel. And um, it, 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 if, you, if you want to take away the 2030 you know, uh, features, bring them all into one, and with your good advice, bring it all into one, um, you know, basically what Scott's doing is is um, allowing for that influencer channel to, to monetize. Otherwise, it's just a great story. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I publish the channel software tech stack, so I get very excited about, you know, each of the companies and how they're solving this problem at scale for their clients. And, you know, I've been watching iAsset for quite a while, uh, as well as others. And everyone has a little bit of a different take on, on how to do that. And uh, we're out there measuring this every day and, and looking at this in, in detail. But now we're like seven months after these predictions, we're starting to see some of this come true. Mm. So, you know, number one, if I just look at the major companies out there, if I look at the technology industry, for example, we look at about 10,000 companies that are running mature channels today. And if you dissect those 10,000 companies and start at the top, I start watching how they're evolving what was a gold, silver, bronze, you know, kind of transactional channel program that they ran. And two weeks ago, HP just announced a trifurcated model, replacing yep. gold, silver, bronze. The yep. day before that, Google did. The week before that, IBM did. The week before that, SAP did. So every week now, you have major Fortune 500 tech vendors that are coming out with what they call it. They don't call it trifurcated. They call it build, sell, and service. Or they you know, make up three words yeah. that are easier to pronounce than trifurcated. <laughs> <laughs> the fact of the matter is, every one of those ecosystems is starting to come along to a realization. Right. And here are some other stats. You know, Microsoft, who runs the largest channel program on the planet, in any industry, they have 355,000 partners that they've nourished over you know, three decades. Well, guess what? They have 7,500 new partners that join every single month. And I would spend a lot of time in red looking at the business models of each of these partners coming in. And the one thing that jumps out is that 80% of these new partners are non-transacting partners. And all Microsoft had was a CSP and LSP gold, silver, bronze program. So they had to rush to find and build a home 
that all these new partners felt comfortable in. Salesforce came out last year and said, you know, for us to double the size of our company from 20 to 40 billion, we're going to require 250,000 new partners. If you want the measure of influence and the measure of, they sell a sales cloud and a marketing cloud and a customer success cloud, but they looked at all their potential prospects, looked at all the people that were in that virtual room influencing them. And the answer is 250,000 new partners. The same day they announced that, they shut down their resale program. They want 100% of those transactions to yeah. go to the app exchange. So why would you ever be a partner of Salesforce if there was no chance to make front or end back end margin? They're minimizing the transaction as part of the value that the channel brings to customers. And I could go on, I've got a hundred examples of yeah. you know, at seven months after making this prediction of the entire partner ecosystem is changing before our face and every vendor and every distributor and everyone in this chain, the, the channel software companies are all innovating around how to handle these ecosystems.